If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Our chat today is with Anki Hawke, and Anki's been on before. I know she's on 6.32 as a listener's choice, and today we're going to talk about 10 training considerations. Okay, so, you know, Anki's the sort of person who asks questions to find out why something's happened, really works. So, you know, she's always gone on and asked a lot of questions. So because she's asked these questions and because she trains horses, she can use these considerations to think, why is this horse a little different? You know, every horse you're going to train is different. Every every time you ask a horse to do something might give you a separate response. But while all this is happening, these are 10 training considerations. And I don't particularly think that there are dressage. I think that these are for anyone, anyone that's thinking, my horse is a little different today. You know, what's going on here? And these are 10 things for you to consider to do with, um, you know, why they're that little bit different. But look, before we start, I'd just like to remind you about the values of International Horse College. So horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance when humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. And we only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers in all our courses. Have a look at the website, internationalhorsecollege.com, registered training organisation 31352. Now, Anki, are you there today? Yes, hi, Glennis, I'm here. Oh, I'm wonderful. Now, Anki, we've, we've sort of had a bit of a chat about what you're talking about and the 10 training considerations, and I love the way that you've started off with manners. So what can you say about that? I know you love horses with manners, but we want them to be a pleasure to be around, the same as we like people to have manners. But what sort of manners are we talking about and how can we consider that as we're training and, and working with different horses? I think one of the main things when you are around horses, I think it's like when you have nice and people, they just introduce themselves and they don't come in with the front door and eat your fridge and you just help themselves to what's mm-hmm. available. I think it's in those horses. If they're horses that are aware of your space, they are easier to handle because they, they don't bump into you. If you step towards them, normally it's away. If you move them to step away or they're just comfortable within your space rather than slipping or nudging or constantly scratching on you or just checking your pockets for treats. So well men and the horse is some the horse that is comfortable around you mm-hmm. and knows that you respect your personal space and that goes hand in hand with you respecting their personal space. Um, especially if you don't know them then approach them from the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. introduce yourself. So like like with a person. <laughs> what about if you get horses that are always cranky? Are they trying to tell us something or is that just them? I think if you have horses that are always cranky and I think testing on why they're cranky. Mm-hmm. So if you approach the horse and just pin the ear back, so I know it doesn't know you too fast, but sometimes um, you have horses that when you touch them on the shoulder, for example, they and it's always on one shoulder. Things worthwhile looking into it if they actually saw on that shoulder. 
or if they always pull up 100 leg quickly or when you're trying to pick up their feet when they're trying to bite you. So I think there is often sometimes an underlying issue. It can be something simple that they just slept wrong or it can be something more severe that they have maybe arthritis in the shoulder and that there are also some horses have um, high and low heel issues. So then they're uneven in the shoulders and they're constantly standing a little blocky. So if you nudge them, then they have plenty to say about it because you put them out of their alignment. And our alignment is slightly to one side. So I think that is worthwhile looking into it and working with a good body worker mm-hmm. and okay. to find out if it's the platform or if it's the muscle soreness or, like I said, it's just illness that's been pushed around too much. So there could be different reasons for crankiness. So the alignment, is that like from head to tail? Is that what we're looking at when you talk about alignment? I think it's like, again, like a person, if you have a good body posture from head to tail, from the pole to the tail, you know, may know very well where your feet are and your spine is, you, you kind of can make quick decisions and you're quite stable on your feet. But if you think of martial arts, they're light on their feet, they're ready for anything. And mm-hmm. they're quick enough to, to respond very quickly. So for me, alignment is a horse that is, ready for anything in, in almost any situation. And normally the horse, in the other hand, very calm because they know what they, where their feet are and how they will respond. So they stay normally pretty calm. There's a reason to do something about it. More observant. They're not very flighty. Um, and um, yeah, they're more centered. Um, and if you look at them very readily from head to toe in the alignment, you sometimes can see that they're toed or that they're a bit cow-hocked or that they're really favored and put and have one grazing foot or a little bit forwards and that they um, always stand on a cock angle and with that they're normally overloading one leg. Mm-hmm. And when you particularly want to try and pick up that foot, they, um, they make that life for you very difficult to put a little weight on that foot before you can pick it up because that balance okay. is there. What about if there is some sort of underlying lameness issues? How can we identify that? I know you said that, you know, the horse, like if there's something, some sort of soreness, you know, they might put their ears back. But if there's un- underlying lameness issues and we're looking at, what sort of signs would the horse have? When you look at underlining baby yeah. issues, so sometimes you have a horse that constantly, when you when you ride it, like at riders would say, it has a crooked head position. Yes. Or he finds a really difficult bending to the right. Um, and then look at them, you can see that rotate basically through the hips, they look on one hip and rotate the rib cage out. They find it really tricky lifting the withers and actually giving themselves enough space to to the front of the chest to actually mm-hmm. give themselves enough room to step into that space. I find it works really well doing some strenuous training with them and that sounds really complicated, but in some ways it's not. So you slow the movement down to a pattern where you can watch the footfalls like one foot after the other. This is not just behavioral training that they're not stepping on you and that they're really, this is really just observing where they're stepping. Are they landing on the on the inside of their foot, are they landing with their toe, are they landing 
really flat on their heels. Um, are they constantly overloading the front legs and, and, and almost tripping and latching with the head down? Mm-hmm. So, and then you carefully grab that step by step. You lift the head a little bit up. You kind of ask them not to step back, but just to rock that little bit back, swing the hind arms just back under and start flexing a bit so the hind legs and slowing movement patterns down. The smaller you make it to curve, like you would work almost on a three-meter circle to correct. So they have to step one foot at a time. And this is slowly. This is not a speed race or um, something that you do very quickly so they just get all the and don't keep one foot on the ground. Mm-hmm. So you really start to observe and then check from one side to the other. So you do the circle to the right, uh, you do the circle to the left, and then you kind of Make them wait, but it like they didn't step through or left behind and gradually push them a little bit back on it. So it's a bit of an observer. They are observing their move and where they're at. This is a whole topic of itself. There's some amazing people out there that really made it that their life work to, to work on good balancing of horses. So mm-hmm. And it goes from my own members to turn the herrings over Belinda Boltenbrook. And they have a Rita dressage people. So they have some really good blogs and uh, websites and books written about it that are easy to understand and, and to follow to, to see where your horse is at. And if you have a horse that is aligned and in balance, and they normally know where their four pillars are, and you can move them on their four pillars quite confident. And, Doing that slowly, often you don't use that you turn them into a snail <laughs> because mm-hmm. you have to do them work the work so slowly that they can make the connections again back to the brain that they got to use a right hind leg and then a right front leg and then a left hind leg and then a left front leg. And that they go in that pattern and not just miss one and, and turn around for example, that left front leg or really stepping wide with the right hind leg. So you really reconnect their brain to their movement pattern and putting them back into balance. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's incredibly slow in the beginning, but they were rewarding them. So okay. them back into balance and teaching them with their joints. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. Thinking about horses and they've got different, and I know that, you know, manners, manners are like one thing, but their personality. How can we consider (laughs) that? Because every, every horse, is, they've all got their own personality, but some are a different type of personality. To, you know, some are very bo- boisterous and others, I suppose, we're extroverts, introverts, different types of personalities. How can we work with that 
when we're training and working around our horses? I think it's just better to take every horse like every person like they are. So I think we have some friends that are always up front, up front. The very first one, then obviously invite the party because they make the party really come to life. And I think and it's the same. You have acquired a friend that you can really rely on because he's more solid and really sturdy and, and not so impulsive. And I think when you have horses like that, you just get to play thing with that personality because you have a really stoic horse that is quiet and solid. You can put them probably more in a situation where he would hold up. Mm-hmm. Why when you have a really nervous, insecure, maybe younger horse, I think it's always nice to bring a buddy along for them so that they, they have different look over them and make sure that they're in a safe situation or that they have someone to check on to and, and, and lean on a little bit. I think so a little bit of common sense and I think also how you behave around your horse too. If you have a horse that's generally quite fidgety and always has to die. We have two horses here on the property. One of them is like a supervisor. He knows that everything's going on. And the other one, she's more cunning and she kind of waits it and observes from a distance and comes when she feels safe. Mm-hmm. But they're very different. And yeah. you can't change certain patterns in them. But I think if you have a bold horse, you can do more bold things with them. And I think if you have a flighty horse, you've got to be a very secure, mature person that they can rely on you to be that steady horse. So you just got to question and observe to know that mm-hmm. you have, like, that, like your friends, I'm sure you have different friends that are all kinds of shapes and personalities. So sure, sure. I'm thinking about, you know, horses, and we generally think, Training is about the riding lessons, what we're doing with the horse, training them when we ride. But how important is it thinking about the whole horse and, you know, considering the whole horse when we're looking at training them, not just the riding lessons? I'm always, um, I love that question because I really find it amazing. You have, um, when I get students, for example, when people move their horses, I find Sometimes you got to look at the whole well-being again. So they need friends, they need knowledge, and they need a bit of space. So when you have horses like that, I think it's worth looking into the entire pattern. Are they are they in a comfortable environment? Are they near a giant highway where there's lots of trucks coming past? Especially when you just moved them, so you have to actually have a decent night's sleep. Um, are they are they with a stable neighbour. I mean, you all have, again, neighbours at home the neighbours are just beautiful and we have the neighbours that you fight across the fences all the time. And it's the same with horses. If they have the anxious horse next to them all night that fox walks on, they're not the most sensible one, then, of course, your horse is quite unsettled before you even start riding. And the thing goes with food and diet. Do you have different horses that... Um, like I think it's a you really can feed them quite a fair bit because they're high energy horse and they also burn a lot of food. While when you have <laughs> an or something more sturdy, they can live or like a Shetland pony, they can almost live with an oily rag. They still need their vitamins and supplements that you can't feed them. So you kind of got to again look at your horse. And again, there's people that do that for a living, they're looking into nutrition. But I think looking at, at your horse's age and weight and breed. It's really then to feed them accordingly to a what they need, and also then to the work 
said you want to do with them, not just necessarily feeding them what your neighbor feeds them. So, for example, if you have a young horse that is still growing, I don't think they need more supplements and nutrition and higher richer diet that they can get the growth out of the food mm-hmm. um, together with the stimulation and the education rather than having them all a sure horse that is perfectly weighed and, and quite comfortable. You don't have to feed them just because the neighbor feeds the horse well. So you got to look into that as well. And, and I think if you look at the whole horse, it's great. Farrier makes your life um, really worthwhile and easy because you really put the horse in a good balance. So if you have really good food, so like I said, there's no horse. So if you have really good shoes on or bare feet and you have a good trimmer, I think that makes your life much easier than having a horse that is shot every eight weeks. The shoes are loose or you ride them on the road and... They have gone through the road nails or they have gone through the nails and then the first time you hear road nails and you give them a bit more grip. But on the main time, again, you got to assess the situation and work in the environment that you're in. If you can ride them on soft ground, if you ride them a lot on the road. Where I was before, I was on a lot of sandstone and, and asphalt. So I haven't had a choice but to put shoes on because otherwise it was like riding on sandpaper or putting boots on. Mm-hmm. And a good farrier will give you very solid advice together with a good tire and that the hoof grows. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a it's a big it's big a big thing, thing yeah. having a healthy horse with social friends and 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 good diet and and good and good feed and all of those good tacks. So oh, I was going to ask you about the tack. You know, the tack itself. It's it's got to be comfortable for both of you. Yeah, it's going to be comfortable for both, and I mm, think it's got mm, to be mm. the right thing for the right job. Yes, so yes. I think, again, you, you have to have a bit that fits in your horse's mouth, and some horses have really big tongues, and some of them have really, they just have all like us. If you use, you wear your pair of shoes and not the one from your friend, and the same is with the saddle. So, depending on how your structure of the body is, you got to find a saddle that fits you. So that's the twist, the waist, and also the length of the saddle. The same thing, depending how long your horse is and how round your horse is, you can find a shape that fits on your horse's back. And I think nowadays you have so many saddles to choose from that you really can find something that fits both of you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and again, I noticed while I was near Sydney, uh, we were supposed to choice with saddlery from saddle fitters, and there's a lot of really people out there who move a little bit away, and you realize. Um, it's much harder to find a good saddle sitter and find a, uh, a good saddler nearby. So mm-hmm. it, it's trickier, but I think it's absolutely worthwhile to find a really comfortable saddle for both of you that your horse can develop over the back. Because if you have something that's uneven over the widows, and you even maybe have a horse that has low and high hip bones, uneven through the shoulders, and then you have a saddle that um, pinches on that area a bit more. So that's a disaster going to unfold slowly. So you get to address all of it. You've got to align your horse. You've got to find a good barrier. And you've got to find a good saddle fitter to make sure that all of that is addressed. Yeah, yeah. Now what about, you know, we're, we're talking about how the horse is reacting, but it's how are we reacting? So how important is our body language and what we're doing? Yeah, I always have to take mind when I was riding and um, I had people they wanted to watch but didn't want to 
come in and announce themselves because they've crept like the pipes in the bushes that the <laughs> Ukrainian army arena and just noticed that you both start getting incredibly hot and for no reason because I didn't see them. She clearly hit them and the next thing I know there was this beautiful young girl standing there and she quietly asking, I watch but this <laughs> again can you please come in and say hello and introduce yourself because you just frighten us. So I think often and um, this is also again people that don't have a lot to do with animals but when you're more aware of your body language, if you're afraid of something and you sneak up and like you hide the word effects behind your body and, and make it really walk into the stable quite awkwardly, your horse knows that you're up to no good. So they just already, before they see the word in place, they know there's something coming <laughs> that they shouldn't trust. So you can't, you know, but if you treat it like you have the best treat in your hand ever and you just go in to give it to them, then they probably look not necessarily look forward to it, but they're much more open to the idea that this is not going to kill them. So your body language has a lot to do with that, with the handling and going confidently up to your horse. And, you know, not that you have to have your hackles up and pump your chest out and become bigger than Ben Hur, but just that you walk in there with a bit of presence and that you just quietly know what you're doing without being aggressive makes a huge difference to them. They read your body language before you enter the barn. They know what you're up to. So they're watching it out of the cars. They have a chance and they kind of know exactly what mood you're in before you open the stable door. So that's yeah. something to be really aware of. Yeah. And they yeah. teach you what things You know, all of these things, Anki, these training considerations, things to consider about your horse. And this is even before you get on. You know, once you've sort of got those sorted. and. Yeah. You can get on and start riding them and then have some fun. Absolutely. And I think the other thing, too, we often forget that you have to deal with your friend first. If then he doesn't trust you on the ground and you're already battling on the ground and you tell them who's leading whom and they're running to you and they're bumming to you and they take Mm. off and they stood left and right and I often amazed and then people get on and ride their horses. Um, I would be very safe on the horse because on the ground you really totally wouldn't think much of my idea of leadership um, or, or trust for that matter. So the minute then I put my foot in the stirrup, it's going to be often even more of a worry. So I think it really starts with ground manners and being, being a bit of a friend and a trusting partner. So when you have time, spend some time walking around with your horse and just leading him. From A to B, and if you're not the only one that can do that, they have a friend that has a horse too that is very solid on the road, and will be amazed what difference that can make. Mm-hmm. And uh, even for me, that was something that I learned much later because I started learning to ride in a riding school with a lot of different people, and you were basically handed a horse ready, packed up, ready to go. So uh, I didn't know any better. So you climbed on board and sometimes you realise they were really cranky. And then when you got off, you realised that the goose was done up with a foot or yep. that the saddle blanket wasn't even. So it, and I think that when you want to ride and have riding lessons, you kind of learn all of that. When I worked um, for quite a while in a riding school, I remember the parents were always upset. It was a rainy day, and, and we said, today we're doing horsemanship. And they go, oh, why do I pay for this? <laughs> and you still need a horse. You still need a tack, and you still need a safe environment to do it. And then the riding is the, is the icing on the cake. You girl normally wants to all want to buy a horse. And she kind of said, no. 
where their forefeet are, how to pick them up, why do you brush your horse, and how do you brush your horse, and how do you do that in a comfortable way, that it's not just a, a shawl and you start of banging out with a couple of brushes on your back. So it's a huge part of before you even get on understanding them, you know, and working with them mm, and mm. making them comfortable. Yeah, yeah. If people would like to contact you, you know, they've sort of talked to you and, and you, they know how important it is to have the horse right before you even get on. If people would like to contact you about lessons or about asking you, you know, asking your advice, what's the best way for them to contact you? I mean, I shouldn't say that because the details will be on horsechats.com slash ankyhawk2 or just go to horsechats.com, search for Anki or search for hawk. But if they'd like to contact you direct, what's the best way? Quite easy. I'm very approachable. So you can call me any time on my list. I think it's on the on the site. If you want to pass it up, I'm happy to pass it up. They can always send me an email. So I'm on all in contact with my Facebook. I'm on the Facebook uh, business page on Messenger. So I'm on Instagram. So there's lots of different ways to <laughs> to contact you. Like I said, I'm very open, happily. Good. I happily have a conversation. And, okay. and, yeah, so anyone that wants to learn or has a question and, and has anything that is unusual, I think it's, I think it's a great way to, to find out more. Like I said, I often find that you either collaborate with a couple of people, one person never has all the answers, but if you have a real puzzle, it's really good to work with a couple of people together. It is. And find out mm. how you can help your mm. horse. Um, there's never just one solution for all of them, and I'm amazed over the years how many different I've met and seen, and how they all react very, very differently. And certainly, there's no more. Yep. Okay. All right, Anki. Well, great to talk to you, and I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. That would be lovely. Yep. Just looking forward to the chat. Okay. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.